Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? Hi, Grant. I am very well. And yourself? Oh, I'm not too bad at all. Thank you very much. That's good. I'm very excited about our guest today. We're talking with the CEO and Managing Director of Maggie Beer Holdings, Chantal Millard. Chantal has been at the helm of Maggie Beer Holdings, leading the company through the challenges of COVID, the audacious and exciting realm of acquisitions, to have the company stand where it does today, a scalable premium e-commerce and omnichannel business that looks set to meet its group revenue guidance of $100 million for financial year 2022. Quite something. Uh, Welcome, Chantal. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be doing the podcast with you. So tell us a little bit, let's, as I always say, let's start at the beginning. (laughs) So you joined Maggie Beer Products, as it was at the time, didn't you, in 2015, working with Maggie? That's right. So I joined the Maggie Beer Products business in 2015 and um, had no idea of the the journey that was in in front of me as where I sit now. But um, yeah, so I was living in Melbourne at the time and um, I uh, spoke to a former colleague and the job role came up and I met with Maggie and I moved over to the Barossa in April 2015. So I'm coming up to almost seven years, which is, which is quite amazing. It's gone very quickly. And, yeah, soon after I started um, chatting with Maggie and Colin, it was clear that we needed to get some capital investment into the business to grow and new machinery and um, investing in people. And Maggie and Colin were also starting to think about their succession plan for the business uh, at the time, neither of their children wanted to go into the business. So we started having a look at different options for them for that succession plan. And um, yeah, we ended up selling 48% of the, the business um, to a listed company called Primary Opinion at that stage. And we were the only investment in that company. It was really a, a listed company that had previously had a former life, mainly in sort of tech sort of um, stocks are completely different. And it was repurposing itself as a food and beverage group. And Maggie Beer Products was the first investment. So it was quite unusual at the time to be, uh, they only owned owned 48% of the business to have a minority stake, but it was really the start of courtship and um, with the view that down the track that all going well, then we would then sell the rest of the business into that group and they would be the the owner of the Maggie Beer business. So yeah, so that was July 2016, that first first step into the listed, um, the listed world started for, for me and Maggie and Colin. It's quite a different ball game, isn't it? Like once you go from a private company to a listed company, there's a whole there's a whole manner of uh, new um, expectations and regulations and things that fall upon you. And I'm, I imagine that that was a bit of a process in itself when you were going from a company like what it was that was so intricately woven into Maggie's identity into then shifting it into something that was you know, I'm not saying it wasn't a legitimate business, but shifting it into a different sort of zone or realm of business. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, want to- into a bigger corporate structure and just all of that that comes with that. So, yeah, look, I think initially we thought that we were, because we were remaining as a private company and um, and the listed company owned 48%. 
at the start, we thought, well, we probably we can actually probably stay quite private, um, but because we were the only investment in the, the company, um, we then we became very it became very public. So it was it was definitely a big transition, and because it's it's Maggie, even though it's quite a relatively small transaction, um, the, the media just love everything Maggie. So it's everything that the business done, everything that the company did, all of our results. So it was it was quite a shock all of a sudden having our PL and balance sheet and all of those sorts of things out there for everybody to see. So that was a bit of a, a learning curve, and particularly for me as well. Um, I hadn't had to really deal with the media before that, and um, and l- luckily I had Maggie, so sort of her name always shields me because everyone's more interested in Maggie than me. So. Uh, <laughs> Which is good. That's, so that's, that's very handy. You can just sort of just gently guide her in front, like that's right. So, um, so yeah. So it definitely was, and, and and having some of those corporate structures, and we'd already started implementing a lot of those into the business, um, getting ready for the sale anyway. And since I started, um, that was part of my role was sort of yeah, trying to keep that family ethos and the family values, but having that corporate layer over the top, that's sort of something I'm a big believer in and, and the other businesses in the group now. So I think they have their own identity, but um, still having all the stuff that you need there as a corporate group, but yeah, keeping their, their values intact. So yeah. So tell us about now what the lay of the land within the company. There's obviously Maggie Beer Products mm. and then there's Paris Creek Farm that's and right. David Dairy. And then Hampers and Gifts Australia, which was the big acquisition last year. Is that is that the Yeah, that's correct. That's the yeah. Stable? yeah, that's right. So So talk to us about Paris Creek and, and St. David. How do they fit in and you know what what's their sort of products and and you know how they contribute? Yeah, so after we sold the first 48% of Maggie Beer products into the group, um, I was still CEO just of Maggie Beer products. And so I sort of went on my way. We bought new machinery. We reinvented that business, developed new product, launched new products. Um, And around the same time, the primary opinion hired a managing director. And that, and that was part of that decision to grow it into a food and beverage group. Uh, so the managing director um, then in December 2017 purchased Paris Creek Farm. So it was really heading down part of that that dairy path. And Paris Creek Farms is a biodynamic, it's a beautiful business. It's a biodynamic organic dairy in the Adelaide Hills, um, up near Meadows, for anyone who knows that region. So um, yeah, so that um, is it a dairy. It does it does milk, cheese, soft cheese, hard cheese, yogurt, quark. Or, or pretty much everything dairy, it makes its own butter. So it's a very kind of niche sort of business and very strong in South Australia. And the plan for that business was to grow that outside of outside of South Australia. And then in August 2018, they purchased St. David Dairy, which is a micro dairy in Fitzroy in Melbourne. So for those of you who know Melbourne, it's very, very almost in the city. <laughs> so quite unusual. Cows on Gertrude Street, I don't understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so... It has a single source dairy in the, in East Gippsland, so um, so yeah, so it has a farmer that it's been working with for years, and we take all of that milk, and it's quality controlled milk, and it's um, specifically specifically sort of I say designed, but it's not. It's just the protein and fat levels in the milk for really good barista coffee, and so that was the heartland of that business was um, delivering door to door to all the baristas, and um, and the cafes just love it because it makes a really beautiful ca- coffee. It's now sort of in boutique, or the sort of not boutique, but the um, premium retail as well. Um, but that's the heartland is really that coffee um, business. And, um, yeah, so then in um, April 2019, we sold the balance of the Megabee products business into the group, which had been 
re- renamed Longtable. <laughs> and um, so that was that sort of so there was the three businesses in the group. Um, I took over the CEO and MD role of the of the listed company in October 2019. Um, we rebranded the, the group as Maggie Holdings because we really felt that symbolised, I guess, Australian premium food and beverage, which is really what the group is about. All the businesses within that have that in common, um, that sort of Australian grown produce, no preservatives, um, as natural as possible, supporting local farmers. And um, I was going, I was yeah. going to say, you know, the the products or the philosophy behind those two companies, Paris Creek and St David, would very much tie into where Maggie Beer was sort of, you know, really sort of focused as well. So you're still looking at sort of a premium, almost sort of artisanal food and beverage offering across that plane, aren't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that's why it did fit so nicely and why I guess the Maggie Beer business was happy to join those, the stable, I guess, 100% of those other businesses because they, re- they just really fitted really nicely with the values of the Maggie Beer business. And um, and also we love the products. Um, I was a user of Paris Creek Farms um, dairy products. I live in Adelaide at the moment and so um, I had used them for a couple of years. So, um, so yeah, so I thought, yes, making cheese, it would be um, – be lots of fun. Um, dairy's <laughs> isn't as easy as I thought, but um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Anyway, Australian dairy industry. That's oh a, that's goodness. another whole series whole of podcasts. podcasts. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's probably a whole series of about ten to sort of really get to the bottom of it. Oh, by which time we will be crying into our pails. I think into our pails. That's right. So. Yeah, so that was so. Then we were the three businesses, and we really set about um, rebuilding the group and just getting the cost base right and growing the revenue. And um, in May last year, we were in a really a much a really strong, really good position and in that growth mode. And um, and and part of the the, the purchase that we did was Hampton Gifts Australia was in thirty first on the thirty first of May um, uh, last year, and so that was really exciting and um, and great to be able to add that diversification to the to the group through that e commerce channel. Yeah. And can you just tell us about when you were looking at, you know, growth avenues and potential acquisitions, what was it about Hampers and Gifts Australia? Was it that there was that sort of, there was a component of sort of Hampers and products within the Maggie Beer, particularly within Maggie Beer products, or was it really looking to almost sort of diversify into another whole channel? Like what was the what was the process to sort of get to that point? Yes, yeah, so I was a little bit of both of those, but originally what we so we've been we had a Maggie Beer products e commerce site, and we did mm. and bulk of that was gifting. You could also get some of our pick pack pantry items, and um, that had been growing quite strongly, but off of a small base, so it really only represented about five percent of the turnover of Maggie Beer products at the time. And it was one of those things that had really naturally organically grown by people who really didn't know what they were doing very well. So I mean, yeah. sorry, but it was really it was growing, and it was like, all right, okay, maybe maybe we've got something here so um so we'd signed on a digital agency and um we'd set up a new platform and we developed new hampers and as luck or good management i guess one or two had it it really coincided to our new digital marketing plan was launched on the 1st of april 2020 which really then coincided with the start of covid so we'd seen strong growth and that and that really all kicked off then so we we quickly well one of the things that we wanted to do and particularly maggie is during covid when there was all the shortages of food and getting anything from the supermarket we wanted to start a series which was really to help people to say, okay, well, you've got a packet of lentils in your kitchen. You actually have no idea what to do with them. Let's let's do these sort of 30-minute videos and show people how to 
cook with things in their pantry and um, to make beautiful meals for their family. So something was entertaining, but it could also be educational. And yes. um, so we started that and we, we put, got that up and running within a, a couple of days, really. And um, and to start with, Maggie was doing that seven days a week. And I remember at the time going, oh my gosh. that's a lot. Are you sure? And she's like, yes, I'm going to do it. And um, and then eventually it became five days a week. And um, she had the weekend off. So um, And so that was a learning curve for all of us. As I'm sure when you started doing podcasts, all of a sudden we had these massive video clips and we were trying to work out how we actually get them online and get them off off phones because it was all done in Maggie's kitchen and we were just wow. like, how do we, what do we do here? So anyway, so we, we managed to get it online and um, it was the same time every single day and um, so, and they just really, they just went through the roof. I think now there's probably close to 6.5 million views of these episodes that we did and Maggie did it five five days a week for, for probably about three months and then we wound it back to one day a week and now we're doing sort of the reruns of them. We thought, so they're that fantastic is recipes. absolutely 6.5 million views. I mean, that yeah, is. Yeah, it's huge. So um, and just the, the love that we got back from people and what Maggie was, because it was really actually about giving back to the people. It wasn't actually to drive the e-commerce, but that naturally then did drive our e-commerce store because people were seeing Maggie cooking with verjuice and Binacotto and all of those products, and so people were then going on to buy them. So we saw a really strong growth again during COVID, as most e-commerce sites did. And so when it was really sort of that November, December 2020, we thought, okay, well, actually, let's really invest in this because we did want to diversify our revenue. The business was very heavily weighted towards the major retailers. We had some food service as well and direct-to-cafe, um, but it was about, okay, well, how do we actually do that diversified revenue stream? And um, so, yeah, so we were actually about to build that model ourselves, hiring an e-commerce manager, getting an in-house digital marketing team. We were going to move our pick pack of the Maggie Beer e-commerce to Melbourne or Sydney because we were doing it out of the Barossa, which doesn't give very good lead times. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, no. pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's only an hour outside of Adelaide and Express that, Post enough. takes about two days from there just to get to Adelaide. So, yeah, um, yeah. so we so we were really we were going down that path and then the Havers and Gifts Australia transaction um, came across our desk and um, we met with the team and really fell in love with it. And I think the skills that they've got in-house, but it was really their vision and their, their attitude towards premium a premium offer for consumers and um, that really... Um, that really struck us in terms of, okay, these guys actually get it and they will align. They're not just a cheap hamper company that's about just selling hampers for the sake of it. It's actually con- really good consumer experience. That was at the back of everything and um, that real wow factor. So, um, yeah, and so we looked at that and we thought, okay, well, that actually could, they could actually take over the Maggie Beer um, products e-commerce and they could actually just drive that a lot faster than we could because building something from scratch was going to take years. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we thought, okay, well, actually that would really just um, advance that plan really quickly as well as having this amazing business that was really uh, high-growth Yeah, high, highly profitable, highly cash generative and, and automatically transformed the group to have about 50% of our revenue um, going through e-commerce and direct-to-consumer so, yeah, and I think the, the thing that really attracted me to it was the, the team. They just an amazing team and just that cultural alignment, um, just the drive, they're just nimble, no, no ego. That's something that we pride really strongly across our group is that um, no one's no ego. We just get in there and get stuff done. And, yeah, so we all just really clicked and um, the integration's just gone really, really well and it's, um, yeah, it's doing what we thought it would and what we hoped it would. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it give us a good result. E-commerce is now a, a really successful, large part of the business, isn't it? It is, yeah. So the first six months, um, the e-commerce, and it is quite seasonal. 
um, with that October to December Christmas period. Um, so it accounted for about 59.5 or 60% of the um, sales revenue for the business in that six months. So it's really, when you look at it, the transformation, it's quite stark. And um, by the time we get to 30th of June, that will probably be around 50% from e-commerce and 50% from, from retail. So it's a, a really nice balance now. And um, it just gives us, though, there's also this huge consumer base to um, when we launch products to put it through e-commerce as well as through um, through retail. So this year we'll probably will send about 400,000 hampers out of the between the Hampers and Gifts Australia and Maggie Beer products and um, Hampers and Gifts Australia, that is a much bigger portion. And, um, yeah, and then that's only going to continue to grow. So the amount of consumers you get to talk to now is, um, yeah, it's quite substantial, which is great. Yeah. I think this concept of sort of diversifying and both, you know, sort of income streams and, and sort of business offerings, but also down to, you know, where suppliers and it was really something that came out of COVID, wasn't it? That it was like, you just can't have all your eggs in one basket. It's just not going to end well. Uh, so, <laughs> it must be exciting and sort of uh, bolstering for you and the team to have this, to now sort of have this mix that depending on where you are in the year, one will be a bigger portion than the other and, and vice versa. Yeah, look, it is. It's really exciting. And looking at the future growth plans, we've done our, just done our three-year strategy and it's just so exciting to see where we can go through the e-commerce and through the retail because we've still got a lot of growth left to go in the Maggie Beer products e-commerce as well as the Handers and Gifts Australia. And um, and we're seeing that even now is like the last three months with this, this particular quarter has been, it's been really challenging for retail with um, COVID and floods and uh, rails being flooded and just and now with fuel prices, it's just been really challenging. But um, we're still getting the, the same level of, level of growth that we were expecting out of the e-commerce. So um, it does complement each other really, really nicely. And I know a lot of people were worried sort of when lockdowns finished that e-commerce might fall, fall off a cliff, but we just haven't seen that at all. And I think that people are so used to being able to shop online now and to send beautiful gifts to people. It's just so easy. And, um, and our in-house digital marketing team is just amazing at creating communications and just making it easy for people to shop. So, yeah, so it is, it's really exciting to see now what we can do with both sides of the business to grow the group. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if COVID had only lasted for a couple of months or even only for 2019, I think that the e-commerce landscape could potentially look a lot different to what it what it does now. But because it just went on for so long, it really just did form new sort of buying habits in terms of this is a really easy way for me to do either to get something for us or to do something lovely for someone else, which otherwise I might just, you know, drop them a text, but I can actually now do something, you know, more special or, uh, you know, with more meaning. And I was going to raise the F word in terms of fuel because... <laughs> <laughs> really do feel like the whole, you know, food and food and beverages can't win a trick, you know, like it's, we develop, you know, great, so e-commerce, that's a really great new thing. But I mean, the e-commerce still has to get to the, still got to go into a truck or a, to get to the person who's buying it or who's receiving it. And so from your position, how do you factor that in? Like what, I mean, how can you, in terms of your forecasting and looking at, I mean, someone ultimately has to bear the cost. Yeah, look, look, it is. It's it's tricky, and I think this year we've seen um, the six months leading up to December. Um, I'm sure most people are aware of the um, the shortage of shipping containers and the the, the increasing cost of inbound shipping. Um, so we don't have 
the whole group's not exposed to that, but our e-commerce packaging, some of that comes from overseas. So we um, we did have exposure to that inbound shipping costs. And there was just, um, there's nothing you can do about it. You've got to have the container. If you could get a container and you could actually, you're going to pay the money to get it in. So it was, um, so yeah, so that was definitely one of the things that we had. And then we did see some higher, um, well, we chose as a business because we want to give consumers a really good um, experience through that December month. So we had a couple of different um, options for, to send parcels out to people and we gave people reduced express post freight so that they, we, because of the delays that were happening with Australia Post, so that people could ensure their gifts got there before Christmas. So um, so that did cost um, extra as well, whether we do that again this Christmas or not. Um, but now we are seeing, we haven't seen the fuel surcharge come through into the e-commerce yet um, because most of the stuff goes through Australia Post but it's only a matter of time before that starts to trickle through into prices if it's if it's prolonged Um, but we are seeing it in terms of the fuel surcharges for national freight and rail um, on top of the extra costs for floods and those sorts of things so um, yeah so look we're like everyone we're working through with our retail partners um, in terms of price increases where we need to um, on shelf and one of the good things is because we've got a premium offer we are as susceptible to I guess um, switching and changing if you put your pricing up by five cents people are going to buy their other bottle of bleach or whatever it is it's yeah. um yeah so it's um that's we're working through that with retailers and we'll also have a look at our um our e-commerce sites and we've got more control over the pricing on those and for certain pricing for lines we'll, we'll work out okay well where do we need to increase prices there and we'll try to keep it to a minimum as possible um because we understand as well there's inflation everywhere for consumers and um Wages haven't caught up yet, but it's um, so yeah. But that's how we'll have to just go through like every business now and make those decisions about where we increase prices and, and where we don't. So it's um, yeah, it, it's an interesting time. Yeah, that's always <laughs> I have to say it, I it's know, a right? nice way of putting it. I know, isn't it? <laughs> interesting. Everyone's <laughs> just like you know, just five minutes. Universe, just five minutes would be nice. It's like really, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Let's talk about there's an exciting sort of launch happening this year coming out of St. David Dairy, isn't there? Paris Creek Farms. I oh, think. Paris yeah. Creek Farms. Sorry. That's right. Yes. The other dairy. <laughs> yeah. That's one. I know. See, look. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Yes. So what's happening there? Yeah, so look, so the, the Paris Creek Farms business has been predominantly South Australia. We do we do sell in all of the other states, but um, we're just about to launch our milk in New South Wales and Victoria for Paris Creek Farms. So that'll be our, our biggest branded launch of our milk outside of South Australia. And um, but really excitingly, we've been able to have our our farmers all deemed as carbon neutral farms so um so all of our packaging from that launch will be that the milk is from carbon neutral dairy farms which we're really excited about because it's it's a way to link the organic and biodynamic nature of those products and what makes them special is their sustainable way of farming and so yeah so we're really excited that we're going to be able to say that this milk helps fight climate change and that's part of our um, initial launch plan to really capture people's attention and say okay well why, why is this milk different, I guess, to, to other milks that are on the shelf? And so, yeah, it's really exciting for the business and it's going to give us a lot of extra volume and hopefully then we'll be able to grow further off the back of that and really start to get some good growth out of that business. Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, and that's, I mean, apart from it actually being a fantastic thing for the environment and the sustainability ESG sort of level, you know, factors for the business, there's such a drive now for consumers as well that they're looking they're very conscious and they reward those businesses that are that are showing that they're walking the talk as well as talking the talk. 
Yeah, look, that's it. And I think that uh, particularly in Australia, because we've got such lush green pastures everywhere, it's hard sometimes for people to think, oh, okay, well, it's milk or it's organic milk, what, what's the difference? But there is quite a, a lot of difference and it is more expensive to farm organically and biodynamically and, and it goes down to the amount of cows that you have per hectare. You have a lot less in organic, so they've got more room to roam and so you do have a lot less emissions. And, yeah, just the way, the sustainable way that they farm, particularly when they're biodynamic farmers, it's no chemicals at all in terms of their farming practices. So, um, yeah, so hopefully that's a way for us to be able to connect with consumers to um, to highlight what we're doing and, yeah. And, and also really extend, I guess, you know, the brand awareness and, and footprint beyond South Australia. That's right. We're in the independent markets or in your, like, amazing stores like Harris Farms in Sydney and they've been really because they're very much into that regenerative farming and um, and across other sort of um, supermarkets. But this is going to be a really great way for brand awareness with, yeah, with the wider part of the public and we've got a really great launch plan that we're putting in place. And, yeah, so hopefully consumers will see it and um, that'll really catch their eye and then they'll taste the product because it is amazing and then they'll love it and um, we'll be able to grow even further and um, extend, expand out. So that'll be, that'll be fantastic. Uh, it's um, it's just so exciting. I love it. It's yes, like it is. There's lots going on. Things, different <laughs> things happening with different, you know, in the different sort of divisions and businesses and and it's just, you know, it's so exciting to see and I do actually think that there's, a, there's an added level of that because of the whole, you know, national treasure sort of mindset we all have in terms of Maggie Beer and knowing the passion that she has about food and nutrition and quality produce that, you know, then these brands within and under that umbrella are, are sort of really hitting the same notes. Uh, so we're almost out of time. Tell me, Chantal, what puts a kick in your step? What is the thing that gets you out of bed each day? Oh, look, I, I just love being in the food and beverage industry and um, I love, like, my teams, like, they're, they're amazing and developing new products, getting new products out to market. And just seeing that satisfaction, I think, of that just being able to make stuff, I think I learned that very long, early on in my career that I need to work somewhere that makes things so that I can actually physically fill it CC. And that, yeah, and that premium nature. And look, and look, and I love working with Maggie as well. She's um, just so much energy and um, she's still on the board of the, the listed company, so that's great. And, um, yeah, I think it's just um, – but also the diversification, I think. It's just being able to do so many different things every day when I go to work, so – yeah. And uh, last question, uh, favourite Maggie Beer product? Oh, look, it would have to probably be the burnt fig ice cream. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. I do love their cheeses and the cheeses as well now, but the burnt fig ice cream, I think it's just quite unique and just and it just really demonstrates the the differences in flavours. You've got the the really sweet, but then you've got the burnt, the, the, the burnt fig that balances it out. It just sort of epitomises what the Maggie Beer flavour is all about. Yeah. No, I am. I'm with you. It is just unmatched in frozen dairy. Yeah, we keep launching new flavors and going. This is going to be the new new burnt pig. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's not. It never is. It never is. And 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 unfortunately, all of the range is delicious, but it's always like, yeah, it's not the burnt. <laughs> That's what happens. People buy, try the new one. That's amazing. But yeah, I'm going back to my burnt pig. <laughs> It's like, and it's like her pate, the pate range as well. They're all delicious, but you always yeah. like you have to go back to pheasant farm. It's the best one. <laughs> yes, no, that, that's right. It is. It's um, yeah. So, but look, it is. There's so many amazing products within the, within the group. Yeah, I have to do a lot of exercise for the amount of cheese I have yeah. as well. <laughs> 
Dear, it's Kelsey and we're meant to have a lot of oh, that. That's, that's right. fine. <laughs> oh, Chantal, it's just been so great to talk to you. It's um, You've been, you know, at the top of my list to get on the podcast for so long and I think this was perfect timing in terms of just the stellar results that came out of the first half and the trajectory that the company's on. It's, yeah, here's to here's to you having a, the company having a fantastic rest of the, year, the financial year and beyond. But thank you so much for your time and, uh, yes, we'll have you back on. On maybe next year and see how yeah. it's going. <laughs> Thank you. It's been we'll really do an ice cream tasting. Yeah, we'll do an ice cream tasting. I sound, that sounds good. <laughs> no, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Okay, well, thanks, Chantal. And, yes, total agreement about the uh, pheasant farm pâté and the burnt fig ice cream, totally yeah. the favourites in this house. So uh, with that, we'll say thanks. And, of course, <laughs> thanks, Kim, and definitely thanks to our audience for joining us today. And if you're not salivating and wanting to go out and buy some more products, <laughs> well, yeah, just start now and run. They're made of tougher stuff than me, Grant. Yeah, that much is certain. <laughs> and to this house, yes. Well, don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can be sure to follow this podcast in your favourite podcatcher to ensure you get every episode as they're released. But we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of food and drink business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.